This is Ibarian X, and welcome to The Candid Frame. If you own a DSLR or mirrorless camera, but you're not pleased with the images that you're making, we're here to help. The Candid Frame Photo Essential eBook and videos will teach you how you can use controls for exposure, focus, white balance, and more to help you to produce great photographs more consistently. Visit us at thecandidframestore.com and use the discount code TCF2015 to purchase it for just $59. Discover why and when to use these controls to produce better photographs. Growing as a photographer means more than just making money, buying more expensive equipment or mastering technique. It's really about discovering what you want to say with the camera. When you discover what you are meant to express and share in your images, it's a turning point that transforms you as a photographer. Today's guest, Christopher Cushman, has been finding what that is for him over the last several years. As a result, he's produced highly praised images of dance, but also portraits that reveal the lives of people in the U.S. and in Canada, where he now resides. A longtime listener of the show, we began talking about how some of our recent guests have resonated with him. It's like the past number of interviews that you've done have been so very close to, to my personal experience. It's just so weird to me. I've, I've been listening to you for a really long time and all of a sudden you're, the photographers that you've had on are, have, have really gone through uh, some very similar uh, things to me. So uh, it, it's made me feel a little less weird. <laughs> if that makes sense. No, that, you know, that makes perfect, perfect sense. Cause I think for creatives, especially photographers, we work in so much isolation yeah. by ourselves that we lose any perspective in terms of where we are and where we're going. Right. And sometimes if it weren't for the show, I would really have no perspective at all. I would just be, you know, dealing with what's right in front of me and right. really have no sense of, uh, what I've achieved or, or where I'm, where I'm going or any of that stuff. Yeah. And so I think that, uh, having conversations like this, whether it's for a podcast or not, is why it's really important. Tell, tell me about that experience for you. I mean, we're already recording, so... Um, okay, great. So tell me about, you know, how you sort of take care of that for yourself. Because like you said, so before we started recording, you used to work for a job where you had a, all these coworkers and, and other people that you had to answer to. But now that you're more autonomous, how do you sort of maintain that perspective in terms of what are you doing that what you're doing now that you're working for yourself? Well, I think it's really important to have a, a, uh, uh, especially for myself living here in Canada and being an expat from Detroit. Um, it's really important to have, uh, a fairly, uh, robust chosen family as well. Um, who are also creatives. Um, one of my, one of the, uh, um, uh, types of photography that I do is dance photography where I go and shoot dance performances at, you know, the major venues here in Toronto. And there's a lot of modern, modern and ballet and, and African dance 
um, uh, happening here in Toronto. So uh, uh, that even adds more to my extended family that dancers, uh, if they love anybody, love photographers because they like to see their <laughs> self uh, captured in pictures. So um, it's been very good to have, you know, like I said, a robust, uh, you know, second family up here um, that kind of keep me sane when I, you know, start to, uh, I don't want to say trip out, but when I start to let my confidence wane a little bit or when I, uh, you know, have anxiety about, you know, if, is this going to work? Am I going to have enough this month? Uh, you know, do I have enough uh, receivables coming in to, uh, to, you know, keep going or do I need to really, you know, go back out there and look for more work. So did you already have a, a passion for dance before you started, before you made the choice to uh, focus, make that the focus of a lot of your photography? Um, I, I, you know, I, um, I used to shoot a lot of basketball and um, the thing about uh, dance and, and anything athletic is, is to me was the thing that fascinated me most about it was the, the ability of some people to uh, move in three-dimensional space like I never could, you know. Um, I, I've always liked dance. I, uh, I had a – when I lived in Detroit, I had a roommate who went to school with uh, – uh, one of his roommates in school was a, a, a primary dancer with Alvin Ailey. And when they came to Detroit for their week of, of shows, uh, we had about – oh, I, I think we had like 12 dancers living with us in our apartment. We had a really big apartment. So – it doesn't it's it's it doesn't sound as weird as it sounds but uh we had all these dancers staying with us because they were tired of staying in hotels and they wanted to cook their own meals and wash their own clothes and and so they stayed with us and um when they saw the dance pictures that I had taken they all you know invited me to take pictures of them and and uh it was a it was like going from 0 to 60 in the dance world to have some of your, your first professional dance pictures be of such a important and prominent dance company as Alvin Ailey, you know, and, uh, uh, it went from then on. It, it, it just, it just took off. I've, and I've never had to advertise. Uh, I just, uh, uh, people, I just know I get so many rough referrals for dance photography that it's just, it, it really uh, pays the bills right now. What was the feedback that you got initially from, from those dancers? Because I know that they're very aware of how they look when they're, when they're, being, when they're being photographed. I mean, they, they focus on their form, on their physicality. But when you started getting feedback from them in terms of what you were doing with your pictures, what were they noting? What did, what did they like about the photographs that they, they weren't yeah. seeing in other, with other people? Well, uh, let me say this, that um, dance photography could be something uh, taught in, in, in school. It, it, there could be a dance photography 101. Um, uh, but mostly what the input that I got from the dancers was is that, um, you know, I would take a picture and I thought that it looked phenomenal. Um, and they would go... Um, you know, they would say things like, oh, no, um, my toe wasn't pointed correctly. 
So I learned how important or what a correct toe point was in modern dance. You know, I know the difference between, you know, the various dance styles, you know, Martha Graham and, you know, Alvin Ailey and, and, and all of that stuff. So as I was taking the pictures, um, I'm a pretty quick learner. So the input that I got from them was, was, was really critical for me to, to get better as a dance photographer because there are just things that are right and things that are wrong. And then when I moved to Toronto, I uh, met a, a gentleman by the name of Kevin Ormsby who uh, had just moved back from uh, New York. He was dancing for Garth Fagan, and Garth Fagan's uh, claim to fame is the Lion King. And um, he invited me to take pictures of one of the local dance companies here in Toronto and um, because he liked my work and he saw the potential, but he also saw that I had a ways to go. And um, he would literally sit next to me during rehearsals um, where I would cut my teeth learning how to take the pictures. And literally he would have his hand on my knee. And when there was about to be like an amazing leap or jump or barrel roll or any number of, you know, really moves that needed to be captured, he would just tap my knee. And, um, that's when I would hit the trigger on the, on the, on the camera, the shutter. And, um, and then, uh, it got to the point where I said, you can stop touching my knee now. (laughs) 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 And, uh, and, and it's, and it's really great because now, um, you know, I have seen so many choreographer—I'm uh, not sure what the right word is—choreographed pieces that even when I see something new, I can almost see what's about to happen. I can almost guess when that moment is about to happen because of you know uh, the the way that they're setting up for the next move tells me that they're probably going to be leaving the ground, which is always a great time to take a photograph is when they're in midair. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's actually so striking and so amazing to be able to, to photograph dance. And, um, unlike sports, um, it just is a little, it, there's more art, art, artistic, there's a more of an artistic nature to it than, than in sports. I still love shooting basketball, by the way. Yeah. But, but it's really analogous to sports in that you really need to know the the sport or in this case the art to be able to anticipate those moments i mean like in baseball you know you have to have a sense of you know where the runners when when it's likely the runner's going to like say try to take second base or third base or something like that so exactly you can, so you can be prepared in terms of where you're going to put your 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 camera what you're going to focus on how you're going to frame the composition because you yeah. only have a, a fraction of the second uh, t- tell me about developing your timing because anticipation is certainly an important part of it, but you know, you you only have a fraction of a second to get it right. Uh, yeah, I literally do. And again, um, uh, what's been helpful over the years is, um, you know, a lot of the dance companies will, um, they're like, they're a lot like Ailey. They have, you know, they'll come out and they'll do two or three new pieces and then they'll do, you know, something that's, you know, classic for their dance company. 
Um, uh, uh, a case in point for me here in Toronto is uh, there's a company called Ballet Creo who does a, uh, a thing at, in, during the holidays called Soulful Messiah um, where they take uh, a more R&B uh, jazzed up version of Handel's Messiah and they they dance through to the, the entire thing. It's it's about an hour and hour and 15 minutes and you know I've shot it probably 12 times now. I've probably shot it 12 years in a row. So um, you know uh, I get to go in and watch the uh, um, the practices um, and see they're always improving it, adding new bits, but, um, you know, the old bits are always still in there. And, uh, you know, by that time you've, you've kind of, you've got it down. You're, you're, you're looking for it. You're in, you know, it's, it's less anticipation of something new. It's more anticipation of something that you're, that you're expecting, I guess is what it comes down to. Um, but again, um, when a dancer is about to jump, their their body goes into a position that, uh, or or a set of positions that are very detectable. And just like your analogy with baseball, I'm sure that if I were shoot, if I were photographing baseball, I would be looking at you know what the pitcher's looking at, you know what what the signals are between the various players on the field to kind of anticipate you know you know and what kind of balls is the pitcher throwing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, to be able to determine, you know, what that next, what that probable next thing is. Well, you, you talked earlier about how the dancers are very aware in terms of the line of their body, the point of their toe, their hand. Yeah. And even though if you may cap them, capture them at the peak of their of their leap, yep. it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best moment to capture their men. So technically, when you're trying to make those shots, are you? Are you trusting your ability to the point that you're only going to make that single capture or are you using the burst mode of your camera to sort of hedge your bets? How, how do you work that technically to make sure that you get what, what you're going for? Um, you know, I, I, I don't put my camera into burst mode. I have a, a I have a couple of cameras. I, I, I was working with a 50D for a long while, which is a good solid camera. Um, and then I, I, I moved up to the 7D, uh, not the Mark II, just the Mark I, I one. Would, I would love to have a Mark II. Um, and it, both, both of those cameras have pretty decent burst modes. But what I find is once it's in burst mode, um, you're in a dark theater, you really don't have time to take it out of burst mode. You can't take time to look at the, at the, uh, the screen to know that you're coming in and out of burst mode. At least for me, it's, there's not enough time to, to make the change. So I never put myself in burst mode. Mm-hmm. Um, although my finger can move really, really fast. And those, both of those cameras seem to be able to keep up with it. Um, I, I guess maybe early on, I, I, I probably would have been tempted to use burst mode, but I'm glad that I didn't because um, a, you end up with a whole lot of pictures that are junk um, and you know, I guess you just hope for the best. Um, there have been times where I, I've clearly missed the moment and I, I have to live with that. Fortunately, they usually do one or two, usually do two, uh, um, 
what they call tack rehearsals, uh, where the uh, where the people are in their uh, costumes and um, they're working out the kinks of say the lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no audience. I, I very rarely, if ever, shoot when there's an audience because of uh, the noise that the camera makes can really take the audience out of, you know, going to see dance is just like going to a movie. You can be so quickly taken out of the moment um, by a noise or, you know, someone using their cell phone or, or whatever, you know. So um, I generally don't shoot, shoot live performances with an audience. I'm always shooting the performance just before that, which is the tech rehearsal. Um, so, yeah, sometimes I, I just miss the moment and I hope and I and I know that it's coming up in the next rehearsal and I I just try to get it in, 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 in the second round. And if I don't get it this year I and, the, and they do it next year, I, I just I'll get it then. Yeah. Well, it's really what it comes down to. I do own a, uh, I did get an opportunity. Uh, there's a, um, a national blacks and dance conference that happens every year. And, uh, when it came to Toronto, um, I literally begged the organizers, uh, to shoot it because, um, these are, um, black dance companies from all over the world, literally three days, 40 some odd performances by 40 different dance companies, including Elvin Ailey and Philodanko out of, out of Philadelphia, really big names, Dallas Black, um, uh, Dance Theater of Harlem. And, um, but they, and they were happy to have me photograph it, but, um, I had to literally, uh, I worked with my brother who's, uh, quite a, quite handy. He's a, He's a graphic designer uh, and photographer himself, but he's also quite handy in the shop. And we literally went on to YouTube and learned how to build a camera blimp out of a uh, Pelican case. Oh, yeah. So, so, so I was able to make the deal with the, with the people and saying, okay, no one's going to hear my camera because it's going to be surrounded by a hard shell case and foam. And, and uh, so... You know, it was challenging, but I got some of the best pictures of my life that uh, out of those three days, and it was it was just extraordinary to get to to, to be able to shoot these dance companies that normally I'd have to go to where they're at, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, in our earlier correspondence, you talked about a healthcare was health scare was really a, a sort of a a pivotal um, life event that helped you to make the choice to make photography more about your life. Please share as much as you feel comfortable with uh, oh. uh, about that. In, in uh, uh, 2012, I went to an emergency room in, in, in Toronto. Um, I had a really bad cough and it didn't go away. And uh, um, I decided to finally man up and, and go into emergency. Uh, and uh, they did chest x-rays and they could, couldn't find anything. And it was just the most, heinous cough you've ever heard in your entire life. And fortunately for me, I had a doctor who would, was just not going to let me walk out without knowing what was causing it. So they did a, uh, uh, they put me in a CAT scan machine and they did a scan of, of, of my chest and she walked back in and she, you know, you see this in TV and the movies, she literally walked in and shut the door. And I was like, okay, it's just a cough, right? Mm. <laughs> 
And she goes, no, I don't know what your cough is from, but you have a bigger fish to fry. And I had a um, ascending aortic aneurysm uh, in the works. And uh, ascending aortic aneurysms, just to put it really quickly, is uh, is a condition that has no symptoms per se. Um, and if you ever hear of those stories where, you know, the guy was only 25 years old and he just, you know, was crossing the street and crumpled to the ground mm-hmm. for no apparent reason, he probably had a, an uh, aortic aneurysm. Um, your aorta uh, starts to get larger than it's supposed to be, and eventually it just bursts like a balloon. And once it's burst, there's no there's no retrieval process. So they were able to diagnose it, and a couple weeks later, I was under the knife, open heart surgery, having my, my aorta resected and resized and covered with medical Gore-Tex, and uh, and uh, my whole life changed right in that in that moment uh and i i i've told a lot of people the 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 biggest change for me or the the biggest thing that 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 ran through my head as i was in the hospital which was i was in the hospital for a month um but the biggest thing that i couldn't get out of my head was is that i had i have a large body of work and i haven't really gotten hadn't really felt like I had gotten to that tipping point where, you know, I was, I, people, I was of, of a degree of note that, that people would, that I would leave something behind that people would, you know, want to study or, you know, I hadn't left that legacy for myself, at least not in my, in my own mind. Mm -hmm. And, um, so while I was recuperating, uh, when I got back home, I was restricted to what I could pick up, and I couldn't pick up any one of my cameras because they were too heavy. And um, so I took the first few months, and I I built my website, uh, which is something you can do just sitting at a desk. And then as, as I got stronger, um, I started taking pictures, and I literally have taken more pictures in the last three years and made more headway in my career in the last three years than in really the 10, 20 years before that. And uh, it's all based out of just reprioritizing uh, what the essential important thing was for me, which was to leave a legacy with this photography. You know, people go through similar health scares Mm -hmm. and they don't make the choice to follow their passion. It scares them, and they certainly feel like, okay, I'm going to make a change, but they don't. They just kind of fall back into the way that they lived their life previously, even though they were so sure that they were going to make a big change. What do you think allowed you to to stick to that that decision? Well, that's it's that's I have a I have a great answer. It's a funny answer though. Um, I suffered from. a, a special kind of PTSD after my operation, um, partially because I, I live here by myself in, in Toronto. Um, I don't have direct family that lives in Canada with me. Um, and I had a lot of people taking care of me uh, during my recovery. But, you know, there were a lot of moments where I was by myself. And, you know, um, with this 
aneurysm kind of thing. You come out of the operation and, you know, I just, I guess I didn't hear the words from my doctor that made me feel confident that I was no longer going to, to, to burst. Um, and so I, I dealt with a lot of anxiety and it was the anxiety that drove me. And I, I was like, you know what? Tomorrow is not a given thing. And, you know, I need to get these things done. And I need to move forward if I'm going to leave anything. And 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 um, while I have uh, success, believe it or not, there there is a I have a doctor that does nothing but deal with anxiety uh, with heart patients. So uh, he's a great guy, and and you know I was on some medication for a while, and I'm 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 off of those things and uh, recovering, and I no longer have those anxieties. I have that that confidence back in my in my ticker. Um, but, uh, I still feel like, uh, you know, I could, you know, I could, Hey, I could walk out tomorrow and get hit by a car. I'm knock on wood. It's not going to happen, but, um, you know, I just, that feeling hasn't left me yet and I'm still working at a pace that's, you know, just, just amazing. And, and, and I'm happier for it. It's the creativity is, is like a bomb for what ails me, you know, being creative just takes my mind off of thinking about, you know, stuff that I, I, I have no control over. So how did your choices change? I mean, you, you know, you, you talk about that, you had that downtime where you were, you know, at home building the website, but practically speaking in terms of your photography and the kind of photographic projects you pursued, what, mm-hmm. what were the sort of, you know, the, the day-to-day changes that you made and that you had to start practicing consistently. Well, I needed to, to put, I needed to put more stuff out. I realized that I wasn't putting stuff out into the world for people to even know about. So, um, I, I started to, um, uh, I worked with blurb. I had put a book out previously about dance, uh, through blurb, um, which is a great, you know, publish on demand kind of book, book making company. Um, and I started to integrate, uh, with IFTTT, I think it's three T's, IFTTT, uh, which is a great online, uh, aggregator triggering type of, uh, software that allows you to, uh, if you post, if I post something on my blog, it shows up also in my, on my Facebook, uh, photography page. And it also shows up in Instagram and it also shows up in Tumblr. So I started to really, um, really go whole hog into how my work got out to the viewing public. Um, I've had a blog since 2005. Um, and, uh, early on I was able to, um, uh, get a counter for it. Uh, this was before, I think 2005 was before Google analytics was really big. Um, and so, uh, I got a counter that actually only counted, um, unique visits to the site because I was more interested in how many first time people were coming to the site versus, you know, was I keeping an audience? Um, because I wanted to know, you know, how, how far my reach was in the world. And 
Um, you know, right now I'm at about, I, I do probably a couple million hits a year on the site, but right now I'm at uh, 370,000 unique visitors to my site from all over the world. Wow. And um, And I get such amazing compliments uh, and comments on my blog um, that, you know, that, that told me that, you know, Hey, you probably really need to start investing into a more formal website, which I have through a wonderful, wonderful Canadian company up here called format. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of it down there. Uh, but, uh, they're, they're a great, uh, website, uh, platform for artists and photographers and stuff like that. And uh, so I built my website, and everything is all connected now. And um, I, I, I'm building an audience, and I've now been asked to do some shows, and been asked to uh, uh, publish a couple of books, and I've gotten a couple of magazine covers. So, and this has all just happened in the last couple of years. If you've got a new camera for the holidays or own a camera that you're still struggling to master, the Candid Frame Photo Essentials ebook and video series will provide you the information you need to make the most of it. Whether you own a DSLR or a mirrorless camera, our 59 page ebook and three hours of streaming video content will help you to understand the key features of your camera to allow you to make photographs rather than just take them. Visit the CandidFrameStore.com and use the promo code TCF2015 to purchase it for just $59. Learn how to become a better photographer while helping to support the work we do at the Candid Frame. So how do you, what do you attribute your ability to gain an audience? Because just creating a blog and a website <laughs> doesn't guarantee that you're going to have people visit it. So how, what were the things that you did that you found successful in terms of being able to procure and, and grow an audience for your work? Um, well, uh, you know, I, I have to say it started with the blog. Um, I, I started with the blog because I, I, I wanted to show my photography. Um, but I also wanted to, I also wanted to, um, use the blog, um, Earlier on, I, I used the blog to uh, move through some things that I needed to put out to the world. And I ended up sharing a, a fair bit of my life on my blog. Um, and I found that to be very cathartic. Um, but on the other side of it, um, I, I found that people were very interested in not just my work, but they were even more interested when they understood the story behind the person that did the work. And, and, and I think that that's what happened. Um, I have a little tagline on my blog. It says exploring my life and others through photography. So I'm saying, I'm going to share about my life. I'm going to share some things about other people's lives and I'm going to share, you know, some photographs and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's my, it's, it's sort of my learning platform. You know, I, I learned more about myself through sharing some of the things that I went through and I learned more about the, the, and, and share, um, you know, who I photograph. 
Um, I just don't show their photographs. I like to share uh, a lot of times. I like to share what who the model is about. Um, you know w- what their story is, um, so that uh, you know people can say, "Oh, you know that person's sort of just like me." You know, I maybe I could model, or maybe I could, you know, uh, have my pictures taken or or whatnot. Um, and even uh, something I started last year, I, I, honest to God, I swear to you, I started this with the most sincere uh, uh, intentions. I started for uh, I, every time that a birthday notification came up on my Facebook, I would go into my file and I would find a portrait that I did of that person and I would post it saying happy birthday. And that was my intent. I swear to you. And I recently had a couple of people come in and they, when they were signing their releases on the photographs, they were like, and here's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, what, what, why do I need to know that? And they were like, oh, it's incredibly important that I get my birthday picture posted. And then it suddenly struck me that, you know, it was the birthday pictures that were also kind of bringing in work. So I had kind of marketed my work when really I was just trying to say happy birthday to the people that, you know, had allowed me to take their picture. And um, it, it, it's just too funny to me. But that, yes. there's another reason, you know, that. That, that 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 the word gets out so 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 well and so easily for me. Um, I'm really blessed with the uh, people that have allowed me to take their their pictures. So we we were talking about dancing earlier, but you do a good enough of portraiture work. Is how how much of that was started as a result of you photographing, saying the dancers and producing portraits of them, and how much of that was due to you just sort of soliciting that kind of work. To, to build up your portfolio well, and to procure um, that work? you know, uh, I think between uh, dance and I, I also do a lot of, I uh, did a lot of, of, of uh, figure studies. Um, I would do uh, art photography, uh, in, including nudes. Um, and uh, I, I think that, um, I think that uh, the more that I, 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 I did these other kinds of photography, the more interested I got into the actual persons themselves. Um, when I moved to from Detroit to Canada, it was a huge paradigm shift for me. Um, Detroit is, um, I would say, 80%, 85% black, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, 15% everybody else. Uh, when I moved to Toronto, I don't know if you've ever been here, but when I moved to Toronto, um, literally, I, there is every culture in the world within 10 feet of me. You know, wherever I'm at, the amount of diversity, uh, Canada does not see itself as a melting pot. It sees itself as a mosaic. Um, and they, uh, when you come to Canada, um, well, it would be great if you did learn English. It's not a requirement. You can still, you know, live and maintain yourself in whatever language you walked in. And so, um, 
there was a, a, a great deal of diversity and I, and, 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 and it, and it just opened a whole new world for me, uh, in, in, in taking pictures. And I have so many friends from literally all over the world, Africa, uh, Europe, Asia, um, the Caribbean. Um, and it just made me want to delve more into that portrait. And I realized that I had been a, probably avoiding, it's much easier to take a picture of the entire person than it is to take a picture of their face or, you know, to do that, to do that face portrait for me. Uh, it's just, it, I don't know why that is probably because you, to do a portrait properly, you really have to, uh, really dig deep into the, the person that you're, you're taking pictures of. And, and it takes, it's quite a process for me to, to do a portrait, a good portrait. Um, I really have to have a conversation and get to know the person before I, I feel comfortable, um, taking that picture. Do you find that because you photograph dance, which is so focused on the body that that helps you when it comes time to make a, make a portrait in, um, in, in terms of like being aware of their their posture the placement of their hands or legs their head uh, does that play yeah. a role at all yeah it, it it does help but what i uh, what i try to find uh out from somebody though is is what what is that one thing or the, the those two things in that person that make them them like i mean someone can obviously look at my photography and say well you know, photography is really big in Chris's life, you know, and they, they, they could make their, you know, they could, they could, they could take that and, and flesh me out a little bit more. But for me to be able to take that picture, I need to find out from that other person, you know, what, what is it that they do? What is that thing that pushes their, their triggers? And, and I will say this, dancers do make the best models in the world (laughs) (laughs) because, even when I'm just taking their, their, their portraits, they're somehow positioned better from the get go. You know, they, they really do have that ability to see, see themselves from the outside. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, I try to have that conversation that, that, that you, you, you have with somebody that, you know, um, allows me to see more of, you know, who that person is. And I think that you can look at my pictures um, and, and you can, uh, without having any verbiage kind of work through, you know, their, you know, what kind of life they've had, you know, are they happy? Are they sad? Are they, you know, you know, what kind of personality they have, which is, you know, really important to the portrait. And I, I guess I'll end up by saying that, you know, um, I probably take portraits, um, for the rest of my life and still not really grasp all of it. Oh yeah. I think every photographer could say that, but that, that keeps things interesting. I think. The more you go at it, the further away it seems to be, you know? Um, and I've done some, 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 I've had the opportunity to do, uh, uh, to, to do some portraits of some, some notable people and uh, I, I, what I really learned from that is that, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're exactly the same person as, 
they're just a person as well. They're just exactly the same as you and me. Uh, you know, they just have a certain, you know, level of notability that some of us don't have, you know, um, Ed Robertson from Brad Robertson from bare naked ladies. Um, Austin Clark, who's a very famous, uh, writer from, from, uh, from the Caribbean. Uh, he lives here in Toronto. Um, got to do uh, his portrait for the dust dust cover on one of his books and uh, really, really uh, amazing, amazing uh, relationship uh, with these people after taking, after taking their photos. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I've gotten to know so many people and so many types of people and so many points of view and, Wow, life is just so amazing when 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 you when you can appreciate all of that. Tell me about the role of of the projects, especially the personal projects in your in your development as a photographer. Because I think that that's I, I sound like a broken record because I, for me, personal projects are really where it's at. It's where you develop your voice. It's where you get to produce a distinctive body of work, and I know that that's played a role w- with you because you've done that. Uh, the 10 by 10 project and uh, some other things, but, but tell us about how those personal projects really uh, have made a difference in your photographic career. Um, well, uh, I'll give you an example. One of the projects that I've been, I've been uh, pretty intensely working on over the past couple of years is a book that's going to come out. It's, it's called, um, Ovenus. Um, and, um, uh, it's a ovenus is a, a term used in the Vogue ball scene, and I don't know if you know anything about the Vogue ball scene, but uh, it, it pretty much started in in, in New York City. Um, there was a documentary made uh, probably more than a decade ago now by Jenny Livingston called "Paris Is Burning." Yeah, yeah, great film. Um, where these 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 kids would come in from essentially from the streets. And they would have uh, uh, Vogue ball, Vogue dancing, Vogue competitions, where they were, where there were many categories, and they would come in and they would, you know, try to win, you know, whatever category. Well, I I was involved in that when I lived in Detroit. Um, you know, it's I would say it's ninety uh, percent gay kids. Uh, LGBT kids, but there are certainly um, straight kids that are involved in it as well. And it's a it's a true um, art form uh, from a from a dance perspective. And when I moved to Toronto, I I um, they had a, a very uh, some of the kids up here got a copy of Paris is Burning and said, "Wow, this is something we want to do." And um, there was a uh, a house developed up here in, in, in Toronto called House of Monroe and the kids put on balls and they uh, knew that I had been involved in it when I lived in Detroit and they asked me to come photograph it and uh, um, it's, it's, it's been an, a, a very, it's a, it's a very different kind of photography for me. Um, I, I, uh, I, I, the, the, quality of photograph is almost it, I, I go I take it above HDR it's a very vivid photography um, 
and there's a, a link to it on, on my site um, from, from a showing that I did in 2012. And um, uh, what I really like about it is, is that uh, most of the people that are involved in it are in their uh, very late teens and mm, 20s up to maybe 30s. Um, so they're, they're quite young and, and I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be. I'm kind of an old guy, 54. Uh, but, uh, I, I love doing this and I love the fact that they are, uh, include me. Um, they've even given me, uh, they've even given me my own, uh, house nickname, which is Snaps Monroe, uh, <laughs> That's great. which, which is, which is quite the honor. You usually don't get a name unless you actually walk in a ball, but, uh, um, you know, hanging around young kids and seeing them do something incredibly positive uh, with their with their time is 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 something that I I like to be invested in and I like to capture and document. I love doing a part of me loves doing you know uh, documentary type photography. I I I'd, I would never do. I don't think I would ever do um, straight up street photography per se, but I, I like uh, documenting um, certain scenes, certain, you know, uh, um, I don't know what you'd call it, um, groups of individuals that, you know, uh, I just think it's interesting that, you know, you, you know, live in a community and uh, you end up documenting it and, you know, 30 years later, you have all these photographs and, you know, um, you've got something, you know, that's important. You've retained something that not too many people have, you know, photographed before or even thought of photographing. Tell, tell me about uh, Fierce. Well, uh, Fierce, uh, I started in Detroit. Um, that's my oldest and most longest lived project. Um, it probably in some form or fashion will uh go on for the rest of my life. Um, but living in Detroit, um, uh, as, as a, uh, a gay man, I'll, 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 I'll say that now so that frames it correctly. Um, you know, all of my friends were, were African American and, uh, and I always had a camera in my hand. I'm one of those photographers that never walks out the door without some form of camera in my hand. I, I shoot every day and I shoot constantly. Even if it's a flower or something that I picked up off the street, you go onto my Instagram and some of my friends are really sick of seeing my flower pictures. But <laughs> anyways, it's important to just keep shooting. It doesn't matter what the subject is, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I started Fierce about 25 years ago. I, I was walking down the street in the uh the 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 gay neighborhood of 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 Detroit where I lived and I found um what was the what was the leftover of a of an eviction um of someone laying out on the curb and there was an entire box of photographs um that had spilled out onto the sidewalk and I looked down and I saw all these photographs and I don't know about you but I I go absolutely nuts when I see unprotected and discarded photographs. Um, you know, and, and at first I thought, okay, well the poor guy couldn't make his rent, 
And uh, he probably doesn't even know that his stuff is out on the curb. And so, you know, I made it my business to to box up every photograph that I could find in that pile. And I took the box home and then I started, you know, asking around, you know, you know, he lived in this building. I don't know what unit and blah, blah, blah. It turns out that uh, the young man who's probably in his late 20s um, had had died from AIDS and he had been, uh, you know, marginalized out of his the rest of his family's life. And uh, literally, there wasn't going to be anybody to come back for these photographs, mm-hmm. you know. So my intent on at least saving this guy's memories for him turned into, wow, what am I going to do with this? And the more I looked at his photographs, the more I realized, hey, these photographs are my photographs. I mean – these are the pictures that I'm taking, you know, and I'm thinking that I'm just taking these pictures of, of what's going on in my life. And, and what I realized is that I'm taking pictures of what's going on in a lot of people's lives. And, um, I, I was able to donate his photographs to, uh, a local LGBT archive in Detroit. And they were happy to take them because actually some of them, you know, um, showed some places and some some things of of a historical nature and you know and and so I know that he won't be forgotten but it suddenly uh, I saw my opportunity to not allow um, things that I experienced and my friends to be forgotten in the, in in a much similar tact and that's how fear started um, I've actually uh, published a a draft of the book through blurb, um, which is great. You get to, you get to send it in and, 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 you know, actually get to see it in hard copy in front of you and, and, you know, pass it around to people and get their input. Um, and the other thing that I've done that's been really, really important, um, for me is, um, getting people. So I went back to some of the people that were in the photographs and I asked them to write one paragraph or one page about where they were and what they were going through if they could remember at the time that I had taken that picture. So it's really a book of uh, a mixed book of photographs and essays. So the written word, because I, I, you know, most of these people, all of these people in fierce are black. I, I am not black um, and I can take the photographs, but I, I, there's no way that I can speak for these people. So I asked them to speak for themselves and I, I've gotten a really good response. Um, I put that show on in Detroit at the Pittman pocket gallery. Um, and, uh, I hung 64 photographs for that show. It was really big and it was the largest attendance that that gallery has ever had. As a matter of fact, they've asked me back this year to, um, reproduce it, um, for a a special showing. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 like I said, it's, it's my life. It's the things that I've been through, but it's really the other people that have been in, in there as well. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it just makes me appreciate the work all the more knowing the story behind it. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. my, my last question that I ask each guest is to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore on their own. And it you can be what? anyone. 
I, 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 I have thought about this question <laughs> more than anything else. And I have to tell you that, uh, that, uh, like a few of your other guests, I'm going to quickly and decisively break your one person rule. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, there's, there's one, one seasoned photographer who's, who has, has taken me under his wing here in Toronto. Um, you may even know him. He's actually in the documentary, uh, through the lens darkly. Um, his name is Michael Chambers. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of him before. Um, and he's at michaelchambers.ca. But um, there's a couple of, of, of um, what I would call more mid-career photographers. One of his name, one of the names is Alejandro uh, Santiago. Um, oh, yeah. And he is of Cuban descent. And he has the most amazing pictures of Cuba and, you know, with the things changing in the world um, relative to America and Cuba, um, it'd be worth worth someone to go and check out his work. And also uh, a young lady by the name of Zoe uh, Giamelli, um, G-E-M-E-L-L-I, yeah. Um, her work is some of the most sensitive photography I've ever seen. She really knows how to photograph uh, people and really catch the 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 real inner core uh, to them. So there's three. Sorry, no, it's okay. I, so, I broke your rule. All good recommendations. That's what that's what that's what matters. They're all amazing photographers. So where can people go to find out more about you and and your work? Um, well, um, you can go to my website. It's uh, epiphanynoir.com. E p i p h a n y n o i r dot com. And um, links to all of my other stuff are are right there, and a couple of links to some dance sites that I also um, have designed and photographed for um, for some of the dance companies here in Toronto. And um, yeah, so uh, hopefully people will go there and see some great stuff. Oh, Chris, thank you so much for for reaching out and oh, for thank agreeing you. to be on the show. It was a, a real pleasure. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the show. The Candid Frame is brought to you by the generous contributions of listeners like you. To help support the work we do at TCF, please take the time to make a donation via PayPal for $10, $20, $50, or more. Your contributions have helped to make the show what it is. I'd also like to thank our audio engineer, Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com, and our music is provided by Kevin McLeod whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.